You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello and welcome to episode number seven of the Life After Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here wherever, whenever you are. My name is Brad Lieb. I am a former professional hockey player interviewing other former players about their life after hockey journeys. And this podcast would not be possible without the help and support of the Hockey Podcast Network a network of individual podcasts that cover every single NHL market. Find them online at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com and follow them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. And before we get to this week's interview, I want to take a moment and thank last week's guest, JJ Hunter of the Hunter Brothers. We had a great conversation about hockey and his journey into country music and how Hard things in life really do make us who we are and present opportunities for growth. I really enjoyed the conversation. Please go check out episode number six with JJ Hunter. And that brings us to this week's guest, a Paralympian who played on Canada's national sledge hockey team. And in this interview, we talk about the event that changed his life the mindset that got him through it, and the main message that he shares in his public speaking today. So without further ado, here is my interview with Chris Cedarstrand. Enjoy. And here we go. My guest today, born in Martinsville, Saskatchewan, he was drafted into the WHL by the Red Deer Rebels and played two seasons with the Rebels before being traded to the Swift Grant Broncos. His junior career ended with concussion problems and his focus shifted away from hockey towards becoming a firefighter. He completed fire school at the top of his class and while interviewing for different positions, he took a road construction job and at 25, he was involved in a work accident that resulted in the amputation of his right leg. After much rehabilitation and tremendous will and commitment, he started to become more active again. He started skating, playing golf, paracycling, snowboarding, and even wake surfing. And in 2011, he started playing sledge hockey with the Calgary Scorpions. Within months of playing with the Scorpions, he was picked up by Team Canada's development program and in 2014, he joined the men's national sledge hockey team and competed for Canada at the 2014 Sochi Olympics. He was, or sorry, he has competed at a number of international events and won a silver medal with Canada at the 2015 World Championships. And if that's not inspirational enough, he returned to work as a firefighter and became the first above knee amputee firefighter in North America as well as the first above knee amputee to compete in the fire fit challenge. He's now retired from international competition and he has created the Cedar strand foundation that supports individuals with physical limitations to reintegrate back into sport and physical activity. 
He's also a public speaker and a sledge hockey coach, and not to mention one heck of an inspirational role model. Uh, I'm honored to be joined by my former junior hockey teammate, Mr. Chris Cedarstrand Seeds. Thanks for doing this and welcome. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. Did I miss anything in that in that long intro? Oh, I think you were. That was all good. <laughs> I want to I, I want to start by um, just acknowledging your accomplishments and 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 obviously your tremendous will and determination and commitment and desire to have to be able to overcome what you've overcome. And I feel like uh, I'd like to start with with the accident and, and get your thoughts on 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 how that happened and and how this journey began for you oh well thank you for the kind words that's i I appreciate it immensely yeah the accident was one of those things that just um you know i I guess in an ideal world never should have happened and you know it it turned out to you know in 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 the end it's something that i i don't regret happening i mean i've been able to do some very very interesting and, and and fun things since then but i mean the accident was definitely something that I mean, obviously a very life-altering incident and you know to to be you know perfectly able-bodied and have everything going for you you know as far as a career and everything like that um and have that change essentially in you know the course of you know 15 20 seconds and i mean for me the accident um you know, I was, I was like you'd mentioned, I was doing some road construction and I was backing one of the, the large road packers up a hill um, from anyone that's familiar with Calgary, um, you know, at the intersection of Bow and Sarcy. And as I was backing this, this packer up a hill, it ended up malfunctioning and slipping out of gear and ultimately, um, you know, started rolling back down this hill and we were working in the median at that time. And, and, you know, getting back to the point that it shouldn't have happened, this piece of machinery was inadequate to say the least um had, had a ton of mechanical issues you know hence hence why the accident happened but also my inability to stop this as it was going down the hill and um ultimately i ended up you know being in the median trying to run it against the side a little bit where we could you know i could hopefully slow it down or potentially stop it and ultimately i ended up actually on the road um which then just caused this you know, I mean, I think the machine was about 38,000 kilograms. So, you know, a, a very heavy piece of machinery and you get that on some concrete on the pavement and it just sort of took off. And at that point I had a decision to make, um, you know, as, I, as I'm going down the road, uh, I'm heading toward that intersection at Bowen Sarsi at about five o'clock. And, uh, you know, it was either jump off the machine there and I would have probably had some bumps and bruises and some scratches, but that that heavy piece of machinery would have went into a, a very busy intersection, and um, you know ultimately I didn't decide to do that. I tried to get it back into the median where we were working, and I ended up getting it back into the median, jumping it down probably about a two and a half foot drop, which is a pretty significant drop for a piece of machinery that's not designed to be off roading. <laughs> and uh, and then just as I went to go and jump off, um, it ended up hitting a, a big dirt mound and. As, as we were both moving forward, it it flipped and landed on me and I went one way and the machine went the other way. So, you know, fortunately enough, I wasn't pinned underneath that machine, but, um, you know, it ended up severely crushing, crushing my leg. And, 
you know, my, my saving grace that day was there was a, a trauma nurse coming home from the Foothills Hospital. And, and like I mentioned, um, you know, I don't have any regrets from the accident that day. My only regret that I have is, is this nurse, you know, just jumped out of her, her vehicle. She witnessed the accident and ran out with her trauma bag. And I mean, I, I knew I was in bad shape at that point. Um, you know, just, just with my medical training and, and she showed up and, and was able to get enough of the bleeding under control that, um, you know, the ambulance was able to come and, and get me transported and get me to a hospital where ultimately they ended up, um, you know, having to amputate my right leg above the knee to, to save my life. Um, but essentially my, my only regret from that day is I've actually never been able to track down this nurse. Um, you know, ultimately I, I owe her my life. Um, you know, she did something that she was not, you know, didn't need to do. It's not in her scope of, you know, not in any scope where she's, you know, needs to jump out of her vehicle heading home to, to help out, you know, somebody in that case. And, and ultimately, I mean, uh, you know, she ended up saving my life and that's pretty much how that, that all went down. Um, you know, they ended up getting me to the hospital and, and ultimately, um, you know, my wife ended up having to make a choice. They, they basically came out and said, you know, he, he either need to amputate his leg or he's going to bleed out and die. Um, so fortunate enough for me, I mean, we'd only been married two months at that time. Obviously, I haven't let, let too much of a bad taste in her mouth yet. And <laughs> she, she opted to save my life. And essentially, I woke up in the hospital, you know, I think it was about three or four days later, I was intubated, you know, all, all sitting in there laying in the ICU and they woke me up, woke me up and told me, yeah, we amputated your leg and they put me back to sleep again, you know, in, a, in an induced coma and then woke me up again another two or three days later. And that's, I just had to start living life at that point as a person with a disability. I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, uh, that's an intense story and, and so many things just stick out. One, uh, first of all, having, having the awareness in a situation like that to, uh, steer the machine away from others' harm's way is not something everyone would do. It's, you know, I think that speaks to um, your character um, to be able to steer steer that machine uh, from from hurting others. Because uh, that's that's the first time I've actually heard that story. I, I've um, I mentioned we played junior hockey together, but we haven't actually spoken in, like we just said, almost 20 years and a lot's happened. And so I didn't, I, I, uh, I, I recall, um, hearing about you a lot more when you, when you started joining team Canada and being involved with sledge hockey and, um, but I, I hadn't heard all, all that whole story. So, um, you know, and, and, and an amazing that uh that 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 nurse happened to be coming home and and you know many blessings for her and i i hope you do connect with her and and, and maybe you're not supposed to there, there's I, I do believe um that things happen um for reason and and um and even for for your wife to go through that 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 trauma and to be able to make that choice so with all that you know, to, and, and to be where you are, where does all that mindset and strength come from for you? Uh, you know, I think it was just something, something I was raised with. Um, you know, I, I had very fortunate. My parents were, were always one of the, you know, those parents that really stayed on me and, and instilled a, a very good work ethic and, and really that never, 
you know, never quit, never die attitude. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to take that and, and utilize that. And I mean, you know, from the time of my accident to, you know, to when I started playing sledge hockey, it was a, it was a long six years, you know, um, it was something that obviously there were, you know, an immense amount of up and downs and, you know, a, a lot more valleys than there were, were peaks at that point. And it was uh, definitely a very trying time, um, you know, and it was something like I, I'd be absolutely lying if I said I, there weren't a lot of very dangerous and, and you know, men, negative thoughts as far as mental health and, and things like that. But I was very fortunate to have a very um, supporting crew around me and people that were, very invested in making sure I was going to be able to come out on top. And, and ultimately, you know, when I, when I ended up finding sports and, and getting more immersed in that and, and got away from some of the things that were extremely negative in my life that had resulted from the accident, you know, that, that commitment and that, you know, that idea of just never quitting and, and ultimately always finding a silver lining in something, um, really started to shine through again. And I was able just to, you know, I was able to grasp that thread at the right time. And it was something that actually, it was a, a quote that I received from, from my, uh, my fire instructor at fire school. And, you know, over the course of those six years, it was, you know, you're, you're seeing, you see inspirational stuff all the time, right? Like, you know, people were sending stuff to me and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, it was this quote that just absolutely resonated with me. And, you know, I, I, it's funny cause I can remember, you know, I remember just laying in bed with my laptop and getting this email and just going, wow, you know, like this is, this is insane. And that, that quote is scar should, should remind you where you've been. They should never dictate where you go. And, and I mean that when I read that, I just went, wow, this is exactly what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm letting the physical and emotional scars of, essentially a crappy 20 seconds in my life completely dictate the direction that my life is going. And, uh, you know, when, when I realized what I was doing with that and I started to think about things and, and really start piecing things back together and, and getting away from that negativity, I realized what made me happy in life. And, you know, for me, that had always been athletics and sport and, and having that ability to be able to help people. And, uh, I was able to, you know, to grasp onto that and fortunately be able to move forward with it. That That's a beautiful quote. There, there's another quote that was on your website that is, if I don't try, I won't ever know that I can't. Exactly. And, yeah. And it, I think it just, I, I, I just want to just spend a little, just another second, just to, even on the mindset piece, because, you know, th this podcast was, was created, um, you know, initially I wanted to like share some of the cool stories that other players have, have gone on to do after hockey and, and as a way to inspire others. And as we all go through all the many things that we go through, I feel like your story is such, is one of those that's so inspirational that, it can, it can kind of put things into perspective for other people and, or, or perhaps someone's going through something similar. Um, it can, it can really create uh, hope for people. So, I mean, you know, just is as far as like a mindset goes and, and even um, I've been, I've been uh, playing with this idea of success. Can you think of like a couple words of like why you feel you've been able to make that shift or you didn't fold the tent, 
you know, you're able to have that success, create that next phase. Is there a couple of words that kind of stick out, like the, how you are being to be able to make that shift? Um, yeah. And, and to me, it was, you know, post-accident, I, I became very afraid of failure. And, and when I learned to embrace failure, that was something that just allowed me to vault myself forward. Um, mm. you know, and, and as, as a hockey player, that's something that, you know, it does get instilled in us in a very early age. And unfortunately, you know, our, our society now, and even just the way that, that things are, we, we we're being sort of programmed not to embrace that failure. And, it, and it's even in just the smallest things that, you know, you know, when I, when I look back to hockey and things like that, it wasn't, you know, if you're going out there and you're trying to learn a new skill, you know, you're realizing, I mean, the chances of it happening immediately are probably pretty slim, right? I mean, so essentially you're failing every time you're trying it, but you're taking mm. that failure and you're you're taking the positives out of it and, and what you were able to improve on and, and continue to move forward. Um, and and to me, that was that was a big piece of it, was was really learning to embrace failure and and use it as a positive, opposed to taking it and using it as as that negative. And, and I mean, for me, for that, a short period of time, I became afraid of failing, right? So I was actually failing at being a failure, if that makes any sense. And, yes. uh, and, and that is probably one of the most detrimental things that, that I see, especially, um, you know, in, in our disabled world, in our adaptive sport world, um, you know, and, and I mean, everywhere now, you know, I, I have two young kids and that's something we very, we, we really try and instill in them is, you know, we, you can't be afraid of failing at something, right? You, you have to be able to go out and, and take that and then learn, learn from it and, and continue to learn from it because that's, mm. that's what makes the incredible, you know, our very successful people successful. You know, they don't go out there and, you know, a guy like Brett Wilson here in Calgary didn't go out and just start up a business and it worked automatically and he become a, you know, became a, you know, multi, multi-millionaire. Right. This is something that, you know, I, he went through a lot of ups and downs and businesses and trials and ultimately, I mean, learned from it all and, and became became successful. And and unfortunately, you know, a lot of these things don't really get highlighted, you know, mm. in, the, in the society we live in. It's all just highlight real stuff. Right. You see somebody's Instagram, you see somebody's Facebook and it's highlight real stuff. And, and people don't realize the, the hard work and dedication that gets put in beforehand and they see this highlight reel and they think that these people are just succeeding, you know, immediately, which is, mm. is generally never the case. <laughs> so true. Uh, you mentioned, you mentioned support as well, that you had support throughout the, the, this whole time, uh, not to mention the lady that stopped to, to help you at the accident. Um, I also read that there was a group of ladies that helped fundraise uh, the prosthetic leg that allow would allow you to do your firefighting and and essentially just be a father and and just do other things. Who has been the other kind of um, supportive figures in your life? Um, you know, I mean, obviously, my wife and and my immediate family were were there for me right off the hop, and and I had an incredible group of friends and and firefighters that that came just you know came out in droves after my accident and and were there, you know, through the thick and thin. You know, knowing that, I mean, it's never an easy road travel when something like that happens. Um, and, and they were, they just did, they essentially never, they never left my side. And I mean, that, you know, I, I owe an incredible amount to my wife. It's something that I would, you know, I, I, I can't put into words 
tell you the truth. Mm. I don't get stuck for words often and, and what she's been able to do for me and the support system that she helped create and, and, and gives me is something that honestly, there are no words for it. It's, it's, it's a truly incredible thing. And I mean, she's just such an incredible human being that, um, you know, I, I honestly, I, I wouldn't be here without her and I wouldn't be mm. able to do the stuff I'm doing, um, you know, without having her by my side. Uh, that that's such an amazing part of the story as well. Just that 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 happened a couple months after being married. Like, what? what obviously, uh, we never know what marriage is going to bring, and that's that was definitely um, yeah unforeseen and and speaks to your relationship and your love for each other. I'm sure. Um, and getting back to like the list of things, I just kind of briefly mentioned a few in the introduction not to be kind of glazing over them lightly simply learning to walk and run you're you're playing golf on your website you you competed at the national amputee open paracycling which is essentially riding a bike with one leg yep. snowboarding <laughs> wake surfing and first amputee in the world to wake surf and then return to firefighting wow amazing and you know what tell us about all those experiences or touch on them on a few that uh what was the most challenging and 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 uh you know what's next uh well i mean with all those they they all had their challenges um you know especially those initial sports that i had you know and, and really started getting involved in you know, we, unfortunately, in, you know, that, that time after 2005, we, we weren't quite in the technology age we're in now where, I mean, you, you know, if you by, you know, God forbid it happens to anybody, but if you have a traumatic accident, you know, you can, you can jump on YouTube and you can look up everything, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you could look up snowboarding and, and that wasn't something that was readily available back then. It was something that you had to really go out and search and find and, um, you know, try and make a lot of these connections yourself. And, and, and so for me getting back into golf was, I mean, just being a, being a former hockey player and everything like that golf is just, you know, I think that's part and parcel with, with playing hockey and it's, it's, you know, sort of your summer passion. And, and once I was able to go out there and get reimmersed in that, it, everything just really started um, cascading forward. And, and I really embraced the challenge that, that all that brought. And, you know, I went from there and I started the paracycling and I'm, I mean, I'm, you're, as you guys feel here, I'm, I'm relatively accident prone, <laughs> you know, and, and paracycling was going fantastic for me. I ended up blowing out my knee, um, which, you know, put a little bit of an abrupt end to that when you only got one leg to work with. Um, but I was, yeah, I was the first, first amputee to get a, a sport leg in Canada as far as getting back on the hill and snowboarding again. And I mean, that was a big, you know, that was a big trial and error thing. You know, you're going out there and you're trying to learn how to do something with, you know, it's something that's completely foreign, I guess. Mm. And, and things just kept, kept going from there. Um, you know, ultimately I get it, I got back into sledge hockey and, and I mean, yeah, that was, uh, something that was definitely difficult. Um, you know, but there's, there's a lot of things that are transferable as far as our skills that come from stand up hockey. Um, you know, your hockey IQ, none of that changes, right? I mean, ultimately you're, you have to develop a little bit of a new mentality behind it because it's, it's almost like you're playing soccer in a sense, you know, the fact that you're using your arms for both your motor mobility and a stick handle, 
you mm. know, and you end up having to become ambidextrous with it. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a truly amazing sport and, you know, just by itself, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about it. There's it's, it's definitely, I think a little bit undervalued. Most people don't get to see it played at the national level where we have guys that are, you know, firing the puck 85 miles an hour with one hand. And, mm. you know, I think the fastest guy in our national team now is, is doing a lap in around, I think it just a hair over 14 seconds, you know? So, I mean, we're, we're moving around quick out on the ice and it's a, it's a pretty, pretty amazing sport. Um, but when it, when it comes to all the challenges that I faced, you know, firefighting was definitely the biggest, biggest challenge that, that I had to face just because there, there were no footprints to follow in it. And, you know, the firefighting world uh, is, is a very alpha world would be, you know, the best way to describe it. And when you, when you, when you see somebody with a disability come in, you, you automatically sort of get stuck into one, into one sort of spot with it, I guess. Right. I mean, people look at you and they, you know, regardless of what you look like anywhere else on your body, they're, they're very focused on the piece that's missing. And so for me to go in there and I mean, I was very, very fortunate. Um, you know, my, my fire instructor, that I went through school with became the chief of our MD here. And, and he's ultimately the one that, you know, gave me this opportunity because I don't think many other people would have been afforded that opportunity anywhere else. And I, I had to go out and just literally relearn how to do everything again and, and learn how to do that well being pretty much criticized to an absolute max because mm. it, it got, relatively ugly when you've got you know when you've got guys that are have that very alpha mentality and you have somebody with a disability beating them in the fitness you know or fitness evaluations um you know and and it was it's interesting because we had i like i said i had an immense amount of support and i had half of the guys just going like holy you know like this is something pretty crazy to see somebody with you know a disability like that competing against able-bodied people and, and beating them. And then I had the other half of the coin where they were just, you know, people were not, not happy that, <laughs> that they had somebody like that beating them. And, um, you know, there, there was a lot of adversity that I had to face going through that. And I mean, I was, like I said, very fortunate that I did have that support staff there. And especially within that, that fire community, it's, it's very much like a hockey team. And I think that's why you do see a lot of hockey players transition over into firefighting. Um, that brotherhood that you have there and that camaraderie is just a, a truly amazing, truly amazing thing. And I mean, I had so many guys that just embraced what was going on. I mean, and they just continued to help me out. And, and I mean, we, we were fortunate enough to have the fire fit challenge happen out in Okotoks and I was able to go out and compete in that. And I mean, again, that's just, you know, that's essentially like the Olympics for firefighting and uh mm. to be able to go out and be the first person to compete in that but also compete at a standard that you know you're you're these guys are this is their job essentially and and to go out there and i mean by no means was i the fastest guy on the course but by no means was i the slowest guy so mm. you know to go out there and be able to accomplish that um you know when i look at all the accomplishments that i've had through through hockey and sport and um you know there's the sledge hockey and i mean obviously playing for our Playing for our country is a very it's 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 a very close <laughs> close tie. I mean, I, I know that you uh, you were you had that honor of representing our country, and, and I mean, you know what that's like to throw that jersey on. It's it's a truly surreal um, thing. 
but as, as far as facing the adversity and facing everything that way, the firefighting is something that I, I take an incredible amount of pride in just because of, of the amount of hard work that I had to do to, to get to that point. But it, it also opened doors for a lot of people. Um, you know, there, there's now amputees all over North America that are getting back into mm-hmm. firefighting, you know, because there was essentially a precedent sort of set. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, didn't I didn't know that. Getting a little bit of an echo here. Um, yeah, all that I think comes back to even that mindset, and and I and I do believe that 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 mindset can be um, can be improved and worked on, and and I feel like hockey can can definitely build on those on those characteristics and and you know, to be able to go into a very alpha environment. I haven't been involved in the firefighting community, but I, but I definitely uh, can understand that to be true. Um, to be able to not only have the mindset to do well, but also have the mindset to um, shut off all the, all the negativity around you. You know, I think it just speaks to, to your commitment level and your mindset and your strength. Um and then you even mentioned like this, the back to the sledge hockey to learn a new skill. And that was the, one of the things that really stuck out to me the most is, is to be able to actually shoot with both hands. You do have to be kind of ambidextrous to, to, to shoot. And, um, and even mentioning support when we connected, you were actually out on the ice and you were, you were um, coaching with uh, Ryan Strasnitsky, who is one of the survivors of the humble Broncos crash in 2018 uh who was also paralyzed from that accident could you share about that connection i'm sure both of you are, are really getting a lot from from that connection and and uh you know how it is to support others yeah it's something that um you know going through everything that i went through and and being uh you know that high level athlete it, it was a very tough thing for me when when i did have my accident because it's it's not something that is really common, I guess, as far as coming across people that, that have played, uh, you know, whether it's junior A, whether it's major, major junior, you know, you're, you're a relatively small percentage of the population. And, and so when this happened to Ryan, um, you know, it, it was one of my goals that I, I sort of made out, you know, when I started getting myself back into sport and started getting everything going for me again, um, I, I had a really crappy thing that happened to me in the hospital, you know, when I was there, I essentially had somebody that come, came in that was supposed to be my sort of, you know, a mentor and, and give you insight on what this was, you know, what it was going to be like and what you were going to be able to do. And, um, you know, I, I remember it so vividly because it was just absolutely devastating to me sitting, you know, or laying there in the hospital bed. And I see this, you know, we know this guy's supposed to be coming in and, you know, he, he comes in and I mean, a, he's walking terribly and, uh, you know, you're, he comes in and he starts telling me a story and, you know, talking to a guy that was doing every sport under the sun. And, and this guy came in and basically told me that the best thing he could do was bowling. Um, and, and I mean, it was probably one of the most disheartening things that happened to me in the hospital, just because you're, you're already at a pretty low point and, and you're, you know, at least trying to build stuff up in your mind on hopefully, you know, you can get back and you can, and, and do the things that you love. And then when you get told that that's the best that it's going to be, it, uh, it was a pretty big blow. And, and I, I made it a goal of mine not to allow that to happen to, 
anybody else if I could. And I mean, so when, you know, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to help out a lot of people that have, have suffered traumatic accidents. And when the humble Broncos accident happened, um, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to be able to have some of the people that I know in the media reach out to the Scherzinski family and, and we were able to connect and, you know, I, I was able to go meet Ryan in the hospital and that relationship just flourished right from the very first time I saw him. And it's something that we've, you know, we've, we've grown and we've taken him an extremely long way in a, in a very short period of time. Um, you know, Ryan's probably one of the most humble kids in, out there and he's done some truly, truly incredible things. I mean, for, for somebody with his disability being a, a relatively high, high paraplegic, um, you know, I, I help coach our provincial team here in Alberta. We're currently the, the four-time national champions. And I mean, we, we have one of the best programs and in, in the course of basically, you know, a short year and a bit here, um, you know, we've got Ryan playing on that team and that had absolutely, you know, that, that choice had nothing to do with me. I, I pulled myself aside. was completely removed from that situation. And, um, you know, the kid has just got an incredible amount of heart and it's something that we were both able to, to build off of because we both had that same mentality as far as, you know, when it comes to failure with him, it's, it's always moving forward, right? He's, he always says when one door closes, another one opens. And, and so we've, we've just been able to utilize that and, you know, we're getting him into the public speaking realm so that he can share his, he can share his story and we're getting him, you know, he's, he's, you know, sledge hockey is, is just his passion, obviously, um, you know, and, and we had very similar paths in that facet where, you know, I mean, he's got a, an incredible hockey IQ already. He understands the game and it's just getting his, his skills developed, which for him is, is a little bit tougher. I mean, just being a paraplegic and not having that feeling there. Um, but I mean, the, the progress that he's made is, is truly unbelievable. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure he's very grateful to have you as a mentor. Um, you're, you're definitely not hobbling into any rooms. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're an absolute beast and, and people can go check out your Instagram. You're doing uh, one arm pull ups and, and all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, you know, you're, 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 you're an inspiration and, and, even going to, uh, I want to mention your, your speaking that you do. Um, what what would you say in a nutshell would be kind of the the message that that you you uh, want to portray and 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 who you're sharing uh, your your messages with? Um, I mean, my my public speaking is is really taken off, and I'm fortunate I'm I can be quite diverse with it. Obviously, with you know, my, my accident being a workplace accident, you know, I, I do speak to safety and things along those lines. But I mean, I think my biggest thing that I've, I've started doing is, is really teaching people to get outside their comfort zone. Um, you know, that's a big premise behind a lot of my talks. And, and I mean, I've been fortunate enough that through my hockey school that we have, um, you know, I'm able to utilize sledge hockey with that. And, you know, so I, being able to go and talk to some of these really big companies, and talk to them about getting outside their comfort zone and then taking them outside and throwing them in a sled. Um, just is a, it, it's some, it's a very big eye opener, right? I mean, mm. because most people have never done it. And, and it's, it's a comical thing because 
sometimes there's not a, you know, like I said, there are sports that are very transferable over to it. Um, and, and, you know, we've had some, some funny experiences with it because you end up having, you know, the really cool thing is, is you are taking everyone outside their comfort zone, but it's not just on a physical level. You know, we've had more times than I can count where you'll have the quietest, you know, smallest person pick up sledge hockey quicker than the guy that comes there, you know, thinking he's going to be an absolute stud when he hits the ice. And, and you see a, a very cool leadership dynamic that, that changes, you know, you have somebody that would never speak up or never do anything, pick up sledge hockey. And all of a sudden they're being, you know, they become just sort of a natural leader you know, because they're able to take these skills and then they're having to teach them to people that would generally, you know, be the one, you know, just a complete paradigm shift in that sense. Hmm. And and so it's been a really, it's a very cool and very rewarding experience to be able to offer that to people and, and really get people thinking outside the box on, on where their comfort zones are. Absolutely. Love that. That's, that's where the growth is outside the comfort zone. Got to get uncomfortable. Um, tell us about the Cedar Strand Foundation and uh, and what how that got started and, and what you guys are up to. Yeah, so the Cedar Strand Foundation got started. Um, you know, ultimately, we had uh, you had mentioned it earlier. We had a couple of ladies here. I had talked to their hockey team, and you know, uh, for the longest time, I I had just a very rudimentary leg. Um, you know, it's there's basically, I mean, they're just a simple hydraulic cylinder, right? Um, and the, the leg I have now is a, is a crazy computerized, it's, it does absolutely amazing things. Um, but the cost of these things is, is mind blowing. And it's something that most people don't, don't realize the, the absolute cost of what these things are. Um, you know, the one that, the one that I have just the knee alone, which is your, your main piece for an above knee amputee is, is a hundred grand. Hmm. And, and it only lasts five years and ultimately you know, I was talking to this hockey team and, and a couple of the ladies decided that this is what they were going to, they were going to go out and, and fundraise and get me this leg. And, you know, so off, off the hop, it was like, well, you know, I, I'd, I'd heard things like that before. And, and, you know, you, I didn't put a lot of salt in it to, to start with. And ultimately it, it really went viral in around Calgary here. And, you know, something that I thought, you know, a hundred grand, we're not going to end up seeing, you know, if that happens, we're years down the road, you know, you see this happen all the time and, and essentially it, it just took off and in six short months, we had raised, raised a hundred grand and we were able to get in touch with some absolutely amazing people and, and that have helped me move things along um, over the course of all of this. And then ultimately helped me start up the Cedar Strand Foundation, which is there to help people that have traumatic injuries or are born with disabilities to get um, to get back into sport just because of the sheer cost of, of these things, you know, it's, it's not quite the same as, you know, if I, if I want my daughter to go play basketball, you know, I'll buy her a basket, you know, $30 basketball and a hundred dollar pair of shoes. And, you know, she can head out to the court and go and shoot hoops. You know, if, if, if I want to get Straz playing basketball, you know, yeah, I buy him a basketball, doesn't really need shoes, but, um, you know, but it's, uh, but it's a $5,000 wheelchair, you know, and, and everything is very sport specific. So, you know, I've been very fortunate with mine and I got a running leg and I got a snowboarding leg and, and all these things that are, are very sport specific, but, you know, for, for somebody that was a very avid runner and you have an accident like mine, um, 
you know, it's like I said, it's no longer just going to buy another pair of shoes to get things going. You got to buy a $12,000 running leg. Mm. And, and that's just something that is not available for most people, especially, you know, post-accident, you know, you're either dealing with WCB, you're dealing with insurance. And unfortunately, um, they don't cover these types of things. And mm. so ultimately, our goal is, is to be able to help out as many people as we can get back into sport by giving them the equipment that they need, you know, whether it's a sled, whether it's a chair, whether it's running legs or snowboarding legs, what, whatever it works out to that's sort of been our goal and, and what we're really growing toward and, and just being able to help as many people as possible. Good stuff. Congratulations with all that. That's, that's great. Um, and before I let you go, uh, I, your, your story is also, is, is obviously um, just super inspirational and, and um, it's, it's so great to be back in touch with you. Is there anything that like kind of a last thought, but like, is there anything that I'm missing? Is there anything that you want to share um, that, that, uh, that I haven't touched on that, uh, that, that you, you just want to add to the, to the story? Um, well, I mean, for, for anybody that's out there or anybody that's looking at, you know, trying a sport, um, you know, you can, you can throw up my Twitter handle or my Instagram handle, or, you know, if they're in the Calgary area and they want to give it a go, you know, we have our, have our school up at Winsport and, and hopefully sooner rather than later here, we're going to get back up and operating again. And I mean, if anybody wants to come out and, um, you know, give sledge hockey a try or, or needs to be hooked up with somebody else in the sporting community, whether it's basketball or rugby or, you know, para skiing, whatever it is, you know, I, I would love the opportunity to be able to help people out in that facet. And I mean, we've been able to do some incredible things with our, our sledge hockey program here, um, you know, through our hockey school, we got aligned with the Calgary Flames. Um, you know, we were the first team in Canada to send a tier one team down to the NHL sled classic. And, you know, there's, there's so just so many incredible avenues for people to be able to utilize sport and, and be able to better their lives with it. That sounds great. So at Winsport, are able-bodied people uh, uh, allowed to come in and try the sport as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, we've got, we've got like 30 sleds, you know, sitting there for people to come and, and try. And I mean, that's one of the really cool dynamics of it is that you can, you know, if you do have a child with a disability or you are somebody that is, that has a disability, I mean, you can bring a friend out with you, you can bring your family out with you and, and, you know, everybody's sort of able to get out there on the same level and, and enjoy a sport together that way. And they're, and then on top of it, I mean, we have some incredible athletes that that are already out with us, you know, the gentlemen that I train there are within the national program now and within our provincial program. And there's some great mentorship that happens out there and, and some great camaraderie. I mean, especially for people that are, are new to the disabled world. Um, you know, these are guys that are just amazing individuals and, and amazing humans that, you know, will go out of their way to help answer questions. And I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, disabilities are, are very broad. And I mean, these guys will do anything possible or to, to help people navigate, you know, the world that we're living in now. So. Very cool. Something I definitely want to try. So maybe the next time I'm back in Alberta, you just, you just let me know. I'm allowed one hit. Though. That's, that's, my... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what hockey's all about. Hitting's allowed. I've, I've had a few of those. Uh, 
No, and I, I just wanted to close just with another quote that I got from your from your website. Um, Strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you once thought that you couldn't. And I thought that's such a beautiful quote and one that absolutely represents you and, and, and your journey. And I admire your strength. I admire everything that you've accomplished and, and very cool to be uh, back in touch with you. And I really appreciate you doing this. Oh, absolutely, Lieb. It was uh, it was my absolute honor to be able to come on here with you and, and get back in touch with you and connect again. And and thank you for allowing me to share my story. Right on. Well, I'll definitely be putting all your uh, links and, and website in the, the end of the podcast. But uh, yeah, thanks again. Good to see you. And, and let's keep in touch. Oh, absolutely, buddy. Thank you so much again. All right. Take care. Scars should remind you where you have been. They should not dictate where you go. And Chris Cedarstrand's scars have definitely not dictated where he has gone. I loved the message of embracing failure, taking the positives and moving forward, always learning and simply not being afraid to fail as well as the message of getting out of your comfort zone. Growth truly does begin at the end of your comfort zone. And I love the saying, if you want something you have never had, you have to do something that you've never done. And the part of the interview that really stuck out for me was even after accomplishing going to the Paralympic Games with Team Canada, he was most proud of his firefighting and competing at the FireFit Challenge because he set a new precedent for amputees in firefighting across North America. He's opened the doors for others to get back into firefighting and I think that is truly amazing and definitely something to be proud of. He is a Team Canada sledge hockey player and now coach and mentor a firefighter, a kids sport ambassador, a motivational speaker, and simply an inspirational human. Mr. Chris Cedarstrand. For more information and to contact him, please go to chriscedarstrand.com and find him on Instagram at cedarstrand21 and on Twitter at seeds25, C-E-D-E-S-2-5. I want to thank this week's guest, Chris Cedarstrand, and I also want to thank you, the listener. I appreciate you tuning in. And if you have enjoyed this podcast or have received any value, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening as it helps others to find this podcast. And if you have any thoughts, feedback, or requests, you can find me and connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Brad M. Lieb. And that's it for episode number seven. Thanks again. And until next time, keep going and enjoy your life. See you next time. I think that went very well.